This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. He broke the door open and entered. Spiders the size of dinner plates live in there. He had no light. It's muddy and dank. It's, in a word, petrifying. I then made the decision to do something I've never done before. Offer a stranger a ride. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. to our double shot episode two terrifying tales coming your way every other week so without further delay let's dive into the horror and as you heard in the intro solo shot episodes are now double shots two stories of horror in between our full episode weeks and that's what i have for you this week but before we dive in i have one other thing to mention if you're currently a member of our patreon you can now get our ad-free Patreon feed directly in the Spotify app. And here's how to do it. Simply search Disturbed Premium ad-free feed in the Spotify app and give it a follow. Next, once you click play on an episode, you'll be prompted to sync up your Patreon account with Spotify. And from there, you'll be able to enjoy all episodes of Disturbed ad-free, as well as our bonus episodes of Disturbing Calls which we will have more of very soon. Now this process I just mentioned is for those who have already joined us on Patreon and want to use those benefits within the Spotify app. So if you haven't done so already, head on over to patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast or find the link in the show notes and join in on the fun for as little as $3 a month, $5 if you want those bonus episodes. It's a great way to help support the show while getting some awesome perks. And as mentioned, if you love using Spotify, go find the Disturbed Premium ad-free feed and sync up to get all those perks right in Spotify. But enough of all that. Now let's dive into the horror. We open up this double-shot episode hearing from Reddit user Underpants Bandit, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas, and we play a little game of hide-and-seek. This one has illustrations, unfortunately. My husband Jim and I own an antiques business in a big old bizarre barn of a building. Five floors, multiple other tenants, including a restaurant. Halloween was a Monday last year. We locked up the business at 5 p.m. and we went to an early dinner across town. Then we got a call from Sonatrol, our security monitoring company at 6.30. A motion detect on the lower level. Then another... We left in a tearing hurry, but figured, it's a bird, or a rat. We don't have rats, but, you know, something. 
maybe a cat. It's way too early for a break-in, after all. I went inside the main level upstairs and disarmed the alarm, and started fumbling noisily with the keys and the big iron gate, one of many that separates the floors at night. Jim checked the perimeter outside for signs of a break-in. Nothing. Doors and windows intact. Definitely, absolutely a bird. Or a rat. Or a cat. Dusk was long gone. The shadows had settled in and taken over. Just wardrobes loomed in the dark. Wardrobes and nothing more. Right? I headed down below to the location of the alarm, trusting Jim would follow. After all, it was a rat. Or a cat. Or a bird. I am accustomed to the building after dark, so I just turned on my phone light, not the overheads, and walked around boldly like I owned the place. I looked in the corner with the motion detector. Nothing. Just its red eye blinking mindlessly at me. No rats, no cats, no birds. I turned and went the other way while Jim poked around a few aisles over. And there it was. A fucking burglary kit sitting in the middle of the floor. Bolt cutters, a fire extinguisher, just sitting there, waiting. I have never gotten a bigger case of sheer terror so fast. After all... There was no broken window or door, so he was still there, in the dark, with me. I hissed, Jim, 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 please, 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 and he didn't hear me. I literally couldn't scream. Just like in those stupid goddamn dreams, my voice stuck. Just me, the spotlit burglary tools, and a hostile presence lurking in the dusty shadows, watching while I whispered for someone to save me. Finally, a thousand years or maybe ten seconds later, Jim wondered why I had taken root in the hallway and came to see. He saw what I was frozen pointing at and was like, oh fuck. We bolted out the front door to call 911 and wait, and we abandoned the building to the burglar. An eternal five minutes later, the police showed up and were initially pretty unimpressed with our find of the crowbar and fire extinguisher until we pulled up the security footage that revealed the actual horror. The face of my new sleep paralysis demon. I share this with you. So this guy. As is obvious, he is built like a lean, mean, brick shithouse. He'd crouched on a landing behind a bookcase when we closed, and watched me and my staff lock up. Bided his time. Then, calm as could be, he walked out and went to the men's restroom in the hallway downstairs. That area isn't set for motion detect for a variety of reasons. He spent a while in there moving around with the door open. He constructed the mask using one of ours and a fake flower wreath to hold it on. Purple plastic clematis. He looked right into the camera barefaced and then put the mask on, stared at it fixedly in his mask for a time, and finally pulled his gloves on. He stacked a few solid body vintage suitcases in front of a tall iron gate and hopped right over it like it was nothing. He ran down the hall, triggering the 6.30 silent alarm, and looped the floor. He ran back into the mall and moved a ladder to hop back to the other side of the gate and, bizarrely, just repeated this whole thing a few times. Then he went to the basement, wormed over a 15-inch gap over yet another iron gate, back to the hall again, stared into the camera again. Repeat. He was moving fast, 
Up and over, back and forth, upstairs and downstairs. Parkour style almost. Then he got the tools out and peeled apart one of our steel lock boxes with the crowbar and stole a handful of our keys to access showcases. At this point, he heard me fumbling with the gate and keys upstairs. He ditched the stolen keys and tools and hid, watching me while he waited in the dark. We exited to call 911, and he ran back to the basement. In the basement, there is access to a dirt tunnel that circles the perimeter of the building. He broke the door open and entered. Spiders the size of dinner plates live in there. He had no light. It's muddy and dank. It's, in a word, petrifying. There is a tiny exit hatch, if you walk the whole thing and take multiple turns, that dumps you into the busy kitchen of a restaurant, whereupon one would need to stroll past the line cooks, out into the restaurant proper, with cameras, and then one could leave through the front door. Plastered with mud, which does leave tracks. Speaking from experience. When we found it, there was his clear entrance into the tunnel, but no exit tracks. No muddy footprints. Nobody walking out on the restaurant cameras. And the cooks noticed nothing. It was a busy night, though. Reviewing the footage, timing it all, tracing his path from camera to camera and searching the building carefully took hours. By the end, all of us, including the police, were starting to lose our collective cool and freak out. There was no chill when even the guys with guns were rattled. After all, where the fuck did he go? Jim and the two officers had no choice but to walk the dirt tunnel. The cops took one look and were like, absolutely not. Jim insisted, and so they made him walk point. They made it about half the tunnel before the cops were like, fuck no, you are leaving with us and we are going to review more footage from the restaurant where there are no spiders and fuck this. Jim got the okay from them to board up both ends of the tunnel, which he did, solidly. And thus, the story ends. The pictures got spread widely, but we got no useful leads despite the decent face shot. Did he indeed crawl out a hatch in the busy kitchen and stroll out past the cooks, leaving no trace of mud? I guess. We got no suspicious smells coming out of the tunnel in later weeks and months, but nobody has walked the far side since. We only onboarded the tunnel last week for the split water main shenanigans. I have vowed I will use his skull in this year's Halloween display if he's dead down there. Make sure you check the episode show notes to see the included images from this story, including a face you won't forget. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery 
and I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. Something is introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. You're listening to Disturbed. Now, back to the horror. And we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Chrissy510, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And as if you needed it, we have further confirmation to not pick up hitchhikers. I female 52 at the time, was traveling by car to an out-of-town job assignment. I had stopped at a popular and busy gas station slash travel stop. Okay, it was a Bucky's. To fill up the car, stretch my legs, use the restroom, and grab a snack. I was approached by a developmentally disabled woman who appeared to be in her mid-twenties. She was looking for a ride to town, a couple of towns over. Her ride had abandoned her while she was in the restroom. She was a little upset. She didn't have a cell phone and didn't know any numbers, so I could call someone for her. I checked with the employees at the store, and they said that she had been there for an hour looking for a ride, because she said her friends left her while she was in the restroom. I then made the decision to do something I've never done before. Offer a stranger a ride. I wasn't going to the town she wanted to go to, but I was heading in that direction, and I told her I could drop her off at the grocery store in the next town, where I would be turning off to go to my destination. The grocery store was always busy, and it was very likely she'd have an easier time getting a ride to where she wanted to go. Also, she'd be five miles away from where she wanted to go, instead of 25 miles, and she'd have an easier time walking the distance if she had to. This was agreeable to her, and we set off. Right away, I noticed a van following us. I tried to lose the van, but it kept pace. Meanwhile, the woman wanted to play with my phone. I told her no, it wasn't a toy, it was for work, and I moved it out of her reach. The van speeds up and starts to get closer. The woman suddenly remembers her boyfriend's phone number and we need to call him. I can't use my phone while driving. This was pre-car sync voice-activated operation, And I was approaching the outskirts of the business district of next town and no cell phone use while driving signs everywhere. I told her, 
We're almost to the grocery store. We can call him from the parking lot. She becomes agitated and yells, No, you have to take me home. I told you I can't do that. I'm not going there. It's in the opposite direction of where I need to go, and I'm expected soon. We'll call him from the parking lot. She becomes more upset and frustrated. The van is getting closer. I pull into the grocery store parking lot. It's about 4 p.m. The grocery store is busy. I pull up in front of the store and ask for her boyfriend's number. She can't remember his number. She won't get out of the car. She's arguing with me, and the van is pulling into the parking lot. There is a sheriff's deputy parked nearby, and I roll down my window and signal that I need to speak to him. He walks over and asks me what's going on. I tell him where I met the woman, and now she won't get out of the car. And under my breath, I tell him, the van has been following us. The deputy tells the woman, she brought you where you asked her to. It's time for you to leave her car now. She slowly gets out of the car, and I ask once more for her boyfriend's number, and she says, you're crazy. I don't have a boyfriend. Oh, look, there are my friends now. And she points to the damn van. The deputy and I share a look, and he says, give me your contact info. I can delay them for about 20 minutes while I check their license and registration and lecture them about abandoning a special needs adult. You get out of here, and I'll check on you before my shift is over. And don't pick up any more hitchhikers. I left and went on to my destination. He called me to make sure I got to where I was going and told me that they were keeping an eye on the van and its owner. He told me he also contacted a colleague at the sheriff's department in the county where I was working, and that she would contact me in a day or two. While I was on assignment there, I spoke to two deputies and a detective about the woman and the van. No one ever told me anything about them, but they were very interested in them. My nightmare is one day I'll turn on a true crime show and see a report about this woman and her gang robbing and killing people. So, woman looking for a ride at the travel stop, let's not meet again. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Don't forget you can send in your own true terrifying tale. Head over to DisturbedPodcast.com slash submit. And if you want to get your voice on the show, take advantage of our hotline, which you can also find at our website, DisturbedPodcast.com. If you'd like to support the show and gain access to bonus episodes, ad-free content, and early releases, visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. We'll be shouting out our newest Patreon members in next week's episode. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new full-length episode. And don't forget to stay safe out there, y'all.